Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy, my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff. Text me 949-415-6256. Please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book, The Comprehensive Guide to Clinical Research. It's been selling really well, getting very well received by the community. Thank you guys so much for that. Also check out the YouTube member page. Join this channel to get perks. That's my YouTube uh, membership. It's 10 bucks a month. You get a monthly mastermind exclusively. It's a Zoom call every month with other YouTube members. Uh, You also get weekly videos exclusive to the YouTube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences. So check that out. Really means a lot to me. And thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Live, live, live. Welcome, everybody. Look, (laughs) when you guys and gals start coming on to Facebook, to LinkedIn, to YouTube, I've been lazy to go live on Instagram because I have to set up a tripod. I'll get on Instagram again, but it's just for Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube right now. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. Let us know in the comments where you're watching from and what you're drinking and what you're doing today. We got Monica Paula Quitiva, the one and only Monica Paula Quitiva on. And we got Ashley Margo, also the one and only. Uh, We're here to talk. We're here to announce a bunch of stuff. We're here to talk about clinical research needing more clinicians because we were joking earlier about the state of the industry as far as pharma and CROs are concerned. And everyone's push for diversity. And at the end of the day, you know, the only thing, in our opinion, that's going to make a real impact on diversity is getting more diverse people working in research, specifically at the clinical level, clinicians, community clinicians. And, you know, we're in a very good time in research because, what are we, 2022? So 30 years ago, really... The only kind of research that was being done, like in the early 90s, and if you go to like the late 80s, the only kind of research being done was at academic medical centers. So these were not like really community-based clinics. They were key opinion leaders doing research. And now the industry has gotten so big and the demand for more patients and for diversity, I mean, something like 80% of all trials are white Caucasian or white males. Mm-hmm. Um so we need more diversity. So thank God we're in a time in 2022 where we need more, much more 
community-based clinicians doing research than academics. Academics nice too, but like if you really want patients enrolled and like no nonsense type of stuff, the community clinicians are the way to go because they're treating real-world patients. And we're launching a the College of Clinical Research Clinicians Academy. Yes. So we're real excited. Uh, we're launching it as part of our initiative with the Clinical Research Circle. So two of our co-founders are here. I don't know where Chris and Judy are. They're probably recruiting community-based clinicians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dr. Al, and Dr. Al, who's one of our other founders, co-founders, he is a community-based clinicians. So we got time. Ashley jumped off a call. Monica jumped off a call. I jumped off a very boring call to be here. So we're here going live, answering your questions. We got Dr. Umesh from India doing fine. We've got Bridget Ladvig from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, drinking nice. Starbucks iced coffee. That is the way to go. Much better than Dunkin' Donuts. Um, people I'm give Starbucks. Tea. <laughs> yeah, I could be a tea person, but uh, I always come back. Always come back to the dark side. Just black <laughs> coffee. Very, very nice. Yeah, that's my favorite one too. Black. Well, you're coffee, Colombian, so it's, that's like yeah. in your DNA. <laughs> okay, so so don't let me do all the talking. Uh, Monica and Ashley, like, tell us why you're excited about this. Both of you actually work hand in different capacities. Ashley Margot is a monitor, and Monica Quitiva is a trainer, site owner, coordinator. I mean, really, every you guys both work in different <laughs> capacities with community-based clinicians. So, talk to us a little bit about your experiences with community-based clinicians. And Ashley, you probably interact with academic clinicians as well. So maybe tell us a little bit about the differences. So whoever wants to go first, let's go. And I'll look at the comments. Keep them coming. I'm going to put everyone's comments up here. Give us questions. Give us comments. Give us what you're drinking. Let's go. Well, you want to go first, Moni? <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead, Ashley. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about this uh, for m many reasons, like aside from me being a monitor and for me, you know, having the exposure that I have now, um, me personally, um, for about eight to 10 years, I was in the clinical industry and I worked with hybrid um, sites and I was in a rural area that is in serious need of more research and happy to know that they have been slightly growing a little bit in research. But really, ultimately, it's just, you know, you have all these doctors, specialists, general doctors that have the capacity to do, you know, a hybrid clinic, right, where they're also assisting in research, um, and more specifically in a, an area that is heavily diverse, which is what we need, you know, but they don't, they're not aware, they don't know how to start, they don't know what they need as far as like education wise. And, you know, part of the reason we were inspired to create this was because we also knew that um, there was some other, you know, trainings, but it took almost a year or six months. And right now we, we need doctors we need pis we need them to you know get trained you know and, and this again this is not just for doctors too right this is also for physician assistants for nurse practitioners right um we want to make sure that uh, these individuals they can get the training that they need to get the 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 hand guidance and you know like we do we also provide the live the live sessions in our modules obviously if you want more information on that uh, feel free to reach out to us but it's super, it's super important that we get more physicians and even more so diverse physicians and clinicians behind this, um, 
you know, this type of training and actually, you know, get more exposure to research because like Dan just mentioned, it's going to start at the sites, right? And, you know, in Latinos in Clinical Research, we always talk about how in our webinars, um, you know, we need to make the patients feel comfortable. And a lot of the times there's a language barrier, right? And so having diverse physicians, PAs and, and nurse practitioners, you know, come in, get the training that they need, especially if they're diverse and they have multiple languages, this is going to give access to more diverse patients, right? Which enhances the recruiting and pretty much ultimately the trip, the tri uh, triple uh, trickle effect to where, you know, the trials get, you know, affected in a positive way. And so, you know, um, grassroots is everything. And, you know, we're here, we're providing this service and, and, and I'm actually so excited to see what what it's going to do and how it's going to help affect the industry on the whole over time. That's right. All right, Monica, your turn. But but first, okay, let's go. Uh, hello, Ebony. How's it going? Okay, Ford Mustang has a question, and uh, I like Dodge Challenger. Uh, I prefer, but Ford Mustang says at site. Do we have the freedom to choose a central or a local IRB? Does the sponsor recommend the site go with a specific IRB? Who chooses? So the site chooses. And nobody wants to use a local IRB. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, because like they're, they're required at teaching hospitals and at academic medical centers. But if you're a site and you're not a teaching hospital or academic medical center and you decide, hey, if we're going to put in our SOPs that we're going to use a local IRB only, you're welcome to do that, but you're making a, your prospect of getting a study much more difficult because sponsors don't like that. They like the central IRBs. They only use the local IRBs because they have no other choice if they want key opinion leaders or an academic medical center where it looks good to investors or to other doctors to have that site listed. Um, so it's a, technically a negative. I, 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 and not just that, but it's a lot of more work for the site. <laughs> well, if they choose to use the center, the central IRB, the sponsor does everything for the site. If the site chooses to use central IRB, then you're basically uh, suiting yourself to do a lot, a lot more work. Okay. Nina Johnson, Indianapolis here. And we cover this. We cover IRBs a lot, working with IRBs in the College of Clinical Research Clinicians, which is starting the next class. The first class is going to be starting when, Monica? Uh, May 4th. Okay. The first week of May. <laughs> May the 4th be with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nina Johnson, Indianapolis, drinking Crystal Light Raspberry. All right. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, Bridget. Yeah, finding clinic, finding community clinicians based sites, but under the academic organization umbrella. This is happening a lot mm -hmm. in the industry for the reasons I just mentioned above with Ford Mustang. Primarily, it's the local IRBs are sometimes a roadblock to quick studies. For example, my site. Here in Yuma Clinical Trials, we just got activated for a brand new study. We are a rescue site. What that means is the study's in trouble. They're not enrolling with the current sites. They want sites to come up quick, like within weeks to get contract, regulatory, everything done. We got it all done within weeks. Uh, uh, any site with a local IRB would not be able to do that. 
Um, so that's the benefit of even the academic organizations understand this, and that's why they're doing a lot of public-private partnerships. A lot. We'll get to more comments later, but what were you going to say, Monica? So I was also going to say that probably a lot of these doctors or these clinicians don't have a clear idea of what it is to work in clinical research. They might think uh, it's going to take a lot of their time or is the responsibilities beyond their expectations. And at the end of the day, what they are going to be doing as a clinicians or PIs is, is being doctors or being a clinician. It's nothing different what they are doing currently. Um, and then on top of that, that's going to enhance the opportunity for them to bring uh, more options to the patients. Uh, and that's, that, that's only going to strengthen their, or their practice or mm-hmm. their, the, the, the amount of patients that they have. Because remember that obviously you're going to be seeing subjects or as we call it in clinical trials uh, in the, um, with the studies. And oftentimes these patients don't have a clinician that they trust so this is going to be also an opportunity to 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 grow your own practice, and and like I say, enhance your your services because now you're offering them an older opportunity. In the case that the all the medications or the treatments out there are not um, working as uh, as the patient wants to, and, and 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 you're giving them that, and on top of that, you are going to be uh, and knowledgeable about the latest technology on uh, on treatments and medications. So that's going to make you even a better uh, practitioner. 100%. There you go. Let's get to more of these comments. Keep them coming. We're going to get to every single one. All right. And we're going to keep talking about answering your questions too. So water, LinkedIn users said water. Greater Sacramento area drinking coffee and green tea. I nice. don't think <laughs> <Wow>. enough... <laughs> I don't think enough credit. I think someone should write a book on this. I don't think enough has been written or discussed about caffeine's impact on innovation in pharma. Because that drug has probably come up with so many, is responsible for so many innovations. I guarantee you someone needs to look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when exactly do you get an IRB certification once you open a site or after you get a study? Every study. Every study needs IRB approval, not just for the protocol, but for the site itself. Okay. If a central IRB usually takes around 30 days uh, to get the approval, but it really depends on the IRB. And also keep in mind that COVID will affect the timing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm going through that right now for some studies. Okay. Ice coffee outside of Philadelphia. Nice. Love it. <laughs> Love King of Prussia. That's outside Philly. How can we make decentralized trials more common and get diverse patients included as part of clinical trials? I'm not sure if that's the answer. Uh, the answer is human involvement mm-hmm. and getting more diverse workforce oh, uh-huh. that is responsible for communicating with the patients. Because how are you getting the patients in a decentralized manner? It's advertising or is it referring clinics? And if it's referring clinics, are they actually 
clinicians in those communities that treat those patients. So decentralized trials is a nice thing. I think we're going to see a lot of more of it, a lot of hybrid options for patients, but I don't think it's the answer for diversity. Yeah. I think that I think the answer for diversity in general is education. Mm -hmm. educating the whole population, educating new patients, educating new uh, uh, professionals, educating clinicians, educating everybody about research. And that basically is our responsibility as professionals working in clinical research. 100%. And I'm, to add to that, you know, I feel like, you know, coming from a rural area, um, I don't know if this is, you know, the same goes for, you know, other, you know, uh, border towns. But in my town, I know that, you know, a lot of the times where you find out about jobs and the capabilities of certain jobs and, you know, for instance, research, I didn't know about research until I had uh, a nurse practitioner tell me that, hey, you know, you have the skill sets, you could do that. And this job is opened over here. And, you know, they're seeing a bunch of patients that are, you know, from um, from this other rural town, you know, you should really go apply there, you know, so a lot of it is word of mouth. And like how we talk about the grassroots, right? So, if you can find a way to educate at the site level, right, it's a matter of time that it's going to expand out, not just to other, let's say, you know, other nurses, other MAs and lab technicians, but those MAs, those lab technicians are going to tell their family, you know, just like, you know, how you, like for me and my family, um, it all started off with one nurse. And then we eventually had about three to four nurses in the family. And now almost everybody's in the clinical industry background, right? So it that's how our started. You you, it trickles down into the family, the knowledge and the exposure and the opportunities, right? And so, you know, this is why I feel very passionate about, you know, particularly this academy and also the CRC Academy, Monica, and, and your CRA Academy, Dan, because it's doing so much more, not just for the people that are getting certified, but it's going to have a generational impact, you know? So um, I think that it's mm. super important that people also understand that it's, but it goes for way further than that. It, it, so we really need to get the word out and get people educated and, and especially doctors, let them know what opportunities are out there. Because I think we even talked about it before. Um, there's even positions, let's say for nurses and MAs, that they could actually get paid more, right? In yeah. the research field, doing the same job, sometimes maybe even a little bit less, right? So, I mean, I definitely learned that and that's happened to me. And so... Uh, you know, and, and who populates these these positions more, at least in the rural areas, lab technicians and medical assistants, you know, a lot of them are, you know, African-American, Latinos, Mexicanos, right? We want to we want to empower, not only empower them through education, but, you know, enhancing financial stability and providing opportunity to continue that growth. Right. And so, I mean, it's a little bit of a rant. Sorry, but, you know, I just. No, I, it's a good rant. Yeah. It's a good rant because, yeah, multi-generational, I mean, that's something there. And it's, you know, I got lucky to be in research because my dad, my dad was a doctor from USC. He got he got his license when I was in 11th grade of high school. He was able to start practicing and he worked with some other doctors at USC. And they were fed up, not him, but his superiors were fed up with the local IRB. Back to Ford Mustang's question. And they were like, we have to be able to do more studies. Like, so they started doing the, you know, their own site. And it's because of that, that I got into research. And, you know, the generation that comes after me, whenever my wife and I decide to have kids, 
it's not like they're going to be forced to do research, but they have option to do it if they want to. So what you said is absolutely right, Ashley. And that's one of the things we're trying to do with the Clinical College of Clinical Research Clinicians is get more doctors, nurses, PAs into research from a business perspective as entrepreneurs, as side owners. And let us know in the comments what you think about this. It's an important topic, and we'll keep going through these comments. Definitely. And I think it's it would be it would be really good to maybe I, mean, I don't know how much y'all want to double into it, but I guess give, give them an idea of what to expect. Should they sign up? Yeah, we can. But we will do Monica will do that. But let me say one more thing about these this uh, decentralized thing, because I think there's a tendency to throw tech to solve every problem and we see that that's not always the case. So decentralized from what? What does that even mean? Because it's not decentralized from the sponsor. They're still controlling the, the study. It's not necessarily decentralized from the CRO and the vendors because they're still involved. It's a little bit decentralized from the sites. So what are you doing? You're decentralizing the patients away from their community clinicians because from a lot of these studies, I've seen that the the physicians are going to be used as more just referral centers and not actual investigators. And so num there's two things. Their incentive is not necessarily there. And number two, the trust of the patients is no longer there. I can tell you as somebody who works with a doctor right now, it's I'm in his office doing his studies. His I'm calling his patients, and they're still distrustful. Because they don't know me. All right, so <laughs> how are they going to be okay with Pfizer Where, if yeah. the doctor just refers? Somebody from Pfizer calling. So to me, it's nonsense. But, I mean, the industry is going to do what the industry is going to do. Venture capital money has got to go somewhere. And the n new buzzword is decentralized trials. I'll get off that rant. Monica, what's good about uh, clinical research? Clinician, College of Clinical Research Clinicians. Give us some benefits for why any clinician would want to do that. Well, uh, obviously for the education, we're going to uh, to train them from A to C on how to be a clinician in clinical research. And uh, they're, they're going to have access to the pre-recorded modules in Teachable. That's the platform we use. Um, and uh, they can listen to this um, to these pre-recorded modules as many times as they need to. <laughs> Obviously, that's available for them to listen. As Dan says, uh, in, said in the in the past, they can listen to that and watch that until their eyes and uh, and ears bleed. Uh, we also have uh, the live classes in where we go in depth um, in uh, on these modules. And uh, and uh, those classes are also recorded, so the 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 specific group of uh, clinicians that are to one class, they are going to get those recordings and 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 will be available also to listen to them as many times as they need to. They have access to the whole team to ask questions. We're basically going to hold your hand <laughs> uh, throughout the whole process. And, uh, and at the end, you're going to have the knowledge. You're going to have also the, um, the experience 
And, uh, and, uh, and, and I'm sure at the end of the program, many of these clinicians uh, will probably uh, go the route of opening their own site, which is the intention, right? That's the intention, um, yeah. That's, that's, uh, uh, this is something that is, very, is really needed in the industry. And, and, and uh, obviously, it's beneficial for those clinicians. Um, I remember we, we interviewed for Latinos in clinical research in the past, someone that was mentioning that they had, um, initially they had a, a private practice and research, and they slowly start um, kind of uh, uh, growing more in research than they did on the uh, private practice because it, it was more, Fulfilling and then on top of that, uh, financially wise was more convenient for the uh, for the uh, doctor. So, I mean, this this industry offers so much. Um, obviously, for these professionals, for these principal investigators, for the uh, business perspective, and on top of that, uh, that's reflected also in society with uh, uh, improvement of quality of life. And we got to add, so this is a very practical course. It's a very entrepreneurial course. So you don't learn anything in GCP, right? What you learn in GCP is like not to harm patients. That should be common sense for a clinician, right? That's just something you have to do. Like it's a regulatory requirement. This is obviously we cover GCP and what you're supposed to do as well. But this is practical. It's going to teach you. What they don't tell you in GCP, which, by the way, is like most things that you're going to need to be a, a, a uh, investigator, whether it's a sub I or a PI, and specifically of your own site to get your own patients enrolled. Oh, sorry. Tanya says, hello from Northwest Indiana, drinking tea, looking to connect with other research managers. Welcome, Tanya. I'm opening a new research clinic for ophthalmology. That's a very good area of indication i can't i was gonna be able to try to get those studies here in yuma but oh the pi uh, there's only one pi and he's 91 years old guys yeah wow Wow. i know and he's still working he's still working uh okay jessica baskin taylor anyone going to the acrp conference in orlando next week let hit up jessica if you're going tell her you're from guru nation and you're very interested in the discussion on the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. And you saw her comment there. <laughs> Ford Mustang said, can a single study have more than one PI in sub-eyes? Uh, yes. So more, not more than one PI, but many yeah, sub-eyes. As Lazar is telling you, you can change sub-eyes. They're, they're just delegated. Delegation log. We actually discuss all this too on the, in the course. All of this. Uh, Ford Mustang. Ellen Badenko, shout out to you, okay? Developing relationships and trust between the community physicians and the academic specialist is the key to mitigating one of the weakest links in successful recruitment. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Ellen. Okay. <laughs> great topic for discussion, great comment. Thank you, LinkedIn user. Alfredo says, sorry, I probably arrived late. Back to IRB selection, local versus central. Which one is recommended for private practice? Alfredo? Central. central. <laughs> don't even think about local. Don't it, Forget we ever said it, right? You don't want local IRB unless you have to. 
Nobody wants a local IRB. Mayo Clinic, um, even the hospital here in my community, Yuma Regional, where they do they do research as well. They don't want local IRB. They have to have IRB. That's why they're partnering with private clinics. So one of your advantages as a private practice is you can get up to speed quickly. You can be a rescue site. You can't do that with a local IRB. Um, Alfredo, let us know if you're interested in the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Mona says, thank you guys for what you're doing. Thank you, Mona. Uh, thank you. What we're doing in the industry, I appreciate it. We're trying to, if nothing else, raise awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford Mustang says, I have 15 years of experience in research at a sponsor. I am planning to open a site and we'll start contacting PIs. There you go. You might want to do the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. What documentation contracts do I need to have if a PI agrees to collaborate? Depends on what they want and how they want. It could be an employment agreement. It could be an independent contractor agreement. It can be a business partnership like an LLC or an S-Corp. You won't know because I don't know what they're going to say. And everyone's going to say something else. So you have to have conversations. Have the conversations with them first. S Clinical Inc. says, Tonya Oliver interested in connecting. Go connect, guys. Go go find her, okay? Look, go. This is the good thing about LinkedIn. Look at all these people. Go connect. And if you're on YouTube, also go connect with these people on here because this is all about networking. Decentralization is similar to what is happening with central and local IRB. They are taking out the significance of a local culture. Yeah, I mean, in theory, but isn't aren't all patients patients don't just decide to do studies. It's usually their clinicians that recommend a study. I mean, sometimes like in cases like oncology, yeah, patients are actively seeking. But for just chronic conditions like psoriasis, atopic derm, it's usually the the clinicians that say, hey, you know what? There's a study going on. And then they list out the the benefits. So that to mm-hmm. me is local. You can't never take out that part. Patients still see their doctors locally, at least right now in 2022. Yeah, and like to add to that, the local culture is everything. And like I had said earlier about the whole like, you know, diversity and language barrier. I mean, we've even spoken to individuals when it comes down that, you know, the companies that they're, they have patients from all over, but they don't have any physicians that know the language or that they feel comfortable with that they're really, they're looking to, you know, transition these patients to, right? So, I mean, there's just a, such a huge, huge need for, for physicians and clinicians, uh, especially, I think even more so that, um, that, you know, are comfortable with, you know, different languages and things like that. Um, obviously, this is beneficial for everybody, but, you know, how we have this and with Latinos in clinical research, uh, like you said, to raise awareness. Ultimately, we want uh, diversity and to bring diversity to the forefront. And yeah, I mean, uh, there's a huge, huge need. And I feel like, you know, clinicians out there don't know the opportunities that are available to them, right, through research. Yeah, I, I would like also to add to what Dan was saying that the uh, people out there usually participate in clinical trials because their uh, clinician uh, recommend them that uh, to do it right or 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 offer that opportunity or 
or mentioned uh, clinical trial. And if we think about uh, in healthcare in general, um, and, and, and obviously pharmaceutical being part of healthcare, um, we don't really like to have appointments with doctors in Zoom when it was uh, like that because due to COVID, a lot of us were forced to have uh, uh, just the 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 the, um, the visits or or the uh, appointment uh, via uh, uh, Zoom or phone call, and most of us didn't like it because you feel that you didn't really had an appointment, right? Uh, so what make the industry think that that's going to happen in clinical trials? If one of the perks that have participated in clinical trials is learning more about your own condition and having a whole team of specialists available for you. So uh, I think um, uh, we have to think more about that part uh, of bringing uh, more diversity to the industry and offering that part of, of, of having the, the, the face-to-face relationship, which is the one that is in charge of growing that trust that the industry, unfortunately, doesn't have. Yeah, well, well said. I mean, Clinical Research Maven, I understand the parallels because central and local, central makes it easy for sponsors to do studies. Local makes it difficult. So having a site, might make it difficult for some patients to make it to that site if they live far from it or they have other challenges. But what about having a site? Like the best thing would be, and this is unrealistic, but the best thing would be to have a research center almost in every doctor's office that wants to do research because they'll have the opportunities there. The thing is that's a lot of work and sponsors don't necessarily want to take on that that task so it's smaller companies organizations like us that do that but there's also concurrently this decentralized tech where everything's trying to get scaled but there that trust factor still plays a huge role in getting the patients enrolled in the studies that's what monica's saying so it's definitely a good technology it's just not the only solution and even people who are in this space and work on decentralized tools will admit that. Uh, Jessica Baskin-Taylor says, Tony Oliver, I'm opening a site outside of Philly this year, focus on CNS indications and psychedelics for pain and mental health. Jessica, you need to talk to uh, <laughs> MAPS. You need to talk to MAPS and those other, nope. who are those other people? Node, nope. right? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Both of those organizations. Actually, I think Jessica... If you emailed me this morning, somebody emailed me this morning about this. I just haven't gotten to my emails yet. I have had too many Zoom calls. Like Monica was saying, Zoom calls. We like face-to-face better. Why? Yeah. Because you actually do stuff there. Um, that's it. We got no more comments. Um, but just wanted to do something about the College of Clinical Research Clinicians. Again, Monica, Ashley, give them details. Give them benefits. It's practical. It's going to put you in the right track. You're not going to waste time thinking about local IRB and do you need this. You don't, you're, It's going to focus on what you need to get started and be successful, meaning profitable in as short time as possible with your own site. 
And then on top of that, you get to network with other uh, like-minded professionals. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you can get your whole team in just one class. <laughs> and we also understand that, you know, as clinicians, your time is very valuable. It can get crazy, especially if most of you doing 12-hour 12 uh, 12 shifts, right? Um, and for those that are at sites, I mean, you're working in nine to five, uh, Monday through Friday, sometimes even extra due to documentation. So because of that, we took that very much into consideration on timing of these live sessions and also um, for the length of the certification, right? And so um, it's it's we feel that it's one of the shortest ones out there. And honestly, as so far, it's extremely, extremely thorough. We love what we produce, what we came up with. We had um, everything in mind when it came to you clinicians, um, whether it was, you know, monitoring side, you know, site ownership side, you know, uh, actually working from the site. I mean, all aspects you'll be getting even from a, a, a PI's perspective as well. So you'll be getting the full 360 and, you know, under know that the content you'll be receiving is extremely, extremely thorough. And it's going to definitely give you the best foundation to, to start off. Yeah. And all our experience is just there in a program. <laughs> All our experience throughout the years and, with live and, and coaching, live coaching. Exactly. Well. So you will have the access to the five of us <laughs> answering questions and training you. <laughs> well, thank you guys. If anyone's interested, hit me up. We also have the website, theuniversityofclinicalresearch.com. It's it'll be underneath the YouTube video, uh, but you can also just reach out to me, Moniker Ashley, and we'll be able to get you on the list for the May 4th class. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. Good luck to everybody. Let's all thank do our you. part in research. And thank you, Monica, Ashley. And catch you all later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.